May 10th, 2023. Continuing in Moren Buchim. We actually last week began in Perek Lamid Gimal here in Chelek Bet. And if you recall, we were focusing on one specific part of what Harambam writes here in this Perek. But we talked about the overarching theme, his development over the course of this chapter, where he describes Ma'amad Har Sinai. And, as we pointed out, the absurdity or the difficult to comprehend and accept experience of Ma'amad Har Sinai for a nation who were fresh off of slavery, who had not worked on, over the course of much time, a character traits, mind, uh, mind perfection, and so forth, to experience in mass uh, prophecy is unfathomable. And indeed, Harambam says, it is impossible. It didn't take place as such. How instead does he understand, does he conceive of this experience, this revelation at Har Sinai? What Harambam set forth for us was a careful uh, attention and attentiveness to the words of the Torah, where the Torah continuously repeats the kol kof vav lamed of Har Sinai. And his understanding in turn is that what took place, what transpired at Har Sinai, was a, yes, a national experience where at one point there was a realization. There was perhaps hearing something, a created sound as Harambam describes it, which in turn inspired the people and awakened them uh, to a true reality. Did they actually hear words? Suggests Harambam, absolutely not. Did they even hear an actual conversation between God and Moshe? They did not. They heard, if they actually, with their ears heard so, a sound, a call. Moshe, in contrast, of course, is listening through, pro- through prophecy, nevoah, and getting the details, the specifics of, so to speak, these diberot, these commandments, and uh, in turn, relaying them to the people. How does Harambam explain the statement of the rabbis? The first two diberot were heard from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ironically, and somewhat uh, uh, counterintuitively, Harambam suggests that those first two were received by the people through a proper understanding. In other words, those first two can and should be proven. It's the latter eight which are societal, which are conventional realities, which needed the uh, intervention of Moshe Rabbeinu. That was the statement of Harambam, the description of Harasinai. Again, the words that were heard prophetically were only by Moshe. Um, it was in turn transmitted to the people. That was Moshe's job. Uh, but God was to the people just at most uh, bringing forth a call which did inspire them, which did give them a certain realization, but didn't provide them with details and uh, full explanations. Harambam, in continuing this, he brings us along these lines. It's just important for us to read the whole Perek and to try to absorb perhaps his full message. Moshe, he writes, we were in the middle of the Perek, Moshe, he shmi'a lahem zot bidvarav beferut ha-geim nishma'im. Uh, Moshe was in turn able to transmit this to the people with uh, utterances which were heard to them. Uh, Moshe um, transcends and then descends and speaks to the people. He cites a derasha of the Hachamim based on this Pasuk in Tehillim, that this Pasuk is referring to the occurrence at Har Sinai. God spoke one, but I, in turn, heard two, uh, an experience which could be summarized as such. It was really just 
one sound which we heard from God, but we in turn had a transmission from Moshe elaborating, delineating, and explaining what was actually the message in its full detail. says Harambam further, citing from a Midrash, that the people heard a single sound, as the Torah says, kol gadol velo yasaf. It's what the people heard, a kol, a single sound. Velo yasaf could be translated in one of two ways. Rashina's commentary to the Torah suggests two alternative explanations. Either lo yasaf means, and there wasn't another, or, or alternatively, it just continued. Uh, truthfully, Harambam seems to be siding based on this Midrash with the first, it was one, and that was it. Ula hashmiat otokol. Rishon ira mashuhuskar. It was, and this is important in my opinion, after the hearing of that sound, that the Torah then describes what happened. Shehem nivhalumin hadavar upahadu meod. Their fear, their trembling, their trepidation happened after hearing that sound. Umashupar shehem ameru. Harambam now cites. I put it on the page in front of us. Pesukim from Parashat Vayet Hanan. If you take a look on source number two, it's Devarim Pereke Pasukaf through Pasukaf Dalet. Well, let's read them. Uh, the Pesukim say, listen to the, from Pasukaf. Vayhi keshom achem et hakol mitocha choshech vehahar bo'er ba'esh vatekrevun elai kol rasheh shiftechem veziknechem. It was as you heard the call, says Harambam, I'll tell you when that was. The beginning of the revelation. You heard that call, the mountain was burning, you came forward to me. Now that's a little bit curious for Harambam's interpretation. How'd they come closer to Moshe if Moshe is Berosh Ahar, if he is in an elevated place and they're not supposed to trespass? So they might call to him, they might motion, it might be you know, not specific and not Bidavka, uh, but that already is a little bit of a difficult detail to a square with Harambam's description that this happened after the first two dibero, excuse me, after that sound and the initial occurrence. Vatomeru, you said to me, remembers Moshe, Hen heranu Adonai Eloheinu et kevodo vet godlo vet kolo shama'anu mitoch ha'esh hayom hazeh, ra'inu ki edaber Elohim et ha'adam v'chai ve'ata, lamma namut ki tochilenu ha'esh ha'gedola hazot im Yosefim, anachnu neshmo et kol Adonai Eloheinu od v'amatnu. Effectively, what the people do is turn to Moshe and say, we heard it, we experienced that sound of God. We're nervous that if we continue hearing, if this experience continues, we'll die. After all, who is it? How could we even wrap our eyes, uh, wrap our minds around such a reality of hearing Kol Elohim Hayim speaking and living? Instead, Moshe, you go forward. Instead, Moshe, you go and in turn uh, transmit, speak to us, explain to us what happened. Now, there's no description of Moshe's feelings in this moment. Of his, go ahead. You know, is Ra'inu with their eyes or is Ra'inu uh, um, like Parashat Re'eh? It's not seeing a Berachan Kelala. We experienced, we realized 
but uh, again, Harambam's read, yeah, Harambam's reading of this, and then of course God says, "Go ahead, Moshe. Indeed, they're speaking right. They're okay. Me eaten. If only they have this sort of yirah their entire life, this awe, trepidation, and reverence." Uh, effectively, again, this passage, according to Harambam, interestingly. He's citing specifically from Vayat Hanan instead of the source in front of us, number one from Parashat Yitro, which we'll read in a moment. But this passage, says Harambam, is reflecting after that call, the people's approach of Moshe, and in turn, the end of hearing a call and Moshe speaking to them. It's not the only way of reading this passage. Alternatively, I put it in source number three, Ramban Nachmani in his commentary to the Torah in Parashat Yitro suggests, if you take a look, skip the first paragraph for a moment, we'll come back to it. The second paragraph, really all you need is the first line, mm-hmm. I should have typed, He says that if you're reading in Parashat Yitro, you won't know what happened after the full experience. Now, of course, for Ramban, it means we heard all ten deberot. Because the objective of the Torah is to give us everything. Now, according to Ramban Nachmani, what are the people protesting? We don't want to hear more if they actually heard all ten deberot. According to Ramban, what they're protesting, what they're nervous about is the continued uh, involvement uh, and elaboration of mitzvot and of mishpatim. That's what they turn to Moshe and say, oh, we don't want any more of that from God. But again, for Harambam, it's so to speak in the middle of the experience. Middle of the experience, they pause it. Truth is, as I said, in source number one, and that's Parashat Yitro, this is a description of Ma'amad Ha'asinai, we move backward, so in that moment, similar words to what you have Moshe's description in Parashat Vayet Hanan, except that in Parashat Vayet Hanan, it's Rashi Shivtechem, it's the heads of the tribes, it's Ziknechem, it's the leaders, the elderly. In Parashat Yitro, it's everyone. Um, I guess they just fear it. I don't know. Experientially, something jolted them. Not clear. Vayomeru el Moshe, we have again in Yitro, Again, these are their words. We're nervous that we'll die. Moshe the description in Yitro is don't fear. And in Parashat Yitro, there's no description of God saying, oh, they spoke well. Let's change course. So Ramban, in his commentary to the Torah, reads that as an initial fear. So there's an initial fear. Call it after, well, says, says Ramban in source number three. So it means there was an initial occurrence at Har Sinai where the people panic. Moshe tells them, don't worry, continue listening. They do, after which they hear the ten dibirot. They then turn to Moshe and repeat, okay, chalas, we heard ten, let's not hear any more. We fear that we're going to die. It means that according to Ramban, 
you could square these two passages. You have one as an initial occurrence over the course of the Aseret HaDibirot, and the other at the conclusion of them. Harambam has referred only to the passage in Vayat Hanan. But that's what we have in Harambam. So it means for Harambam, this description in Vayat Hanan, which might be and probably is identical to the one in Yitro, maybe it's just more specific over here, Truth is, it's very much more specific. Because if you take a look at the passage that he's quoting, what are they fearing? What are they talking about? Those are the words Harambam needs. In order to prove his point, it's the fact that they heard the sound, whereas the description in Yitro has no such call mention, at least in this context. Okay, regardless, well, the only reason I'm mentioning... Kol HaShofar is not, as a matter of fact, Harambam will say explicitly that Kol HaShofar is something else. He's talking about a Kol, whatever it is, but it's not the Kol HaShofar. It means then that Harambam, not that he's taking liberty, um, but he is certainly uh, very purposefully highlighting these Pesukim from Bayat Hanan. He is, as a result, making an assumption, whereas the Pesukim could be read at this, as, as something taking place at the conclusion of the full experience, he has it as in the middle. Uh, they heard the sound, and then Moshe transmits all those words. Uh, you don't have it written that way in the Torah, per se, either. And that's the way he's reading this and understanding it. Continues Harambam, after citing all these pesukim. As Yasahu, after the people approached him in some way or another, as they uh, expressed their fear, as they explained, we can't really listen to this call any longer, Moshe comes out from the Arafel, from the mist and fog of Har Sinai, Hamirumam Mikol Yelud, he of course praises Moshe, gives him a beautiful description, he was above the level of anyone who's born, any human being, Beshenit Vekibelet Yeter HaDiberot Ehad Ehad. He then, one by one, goes through the Diberot. Here on page 379, in the middle of the page, right after he quoted all those Pesukim, okay. Yarad le tahar vehishmiam lahem veoto ma'amad gadol. He describes ma'amad harsinai, the ma'amad gadol, the grand standing, the grand experience. Uh, he goes one by one, breaking the, the berot down to them. Keshehem ro'im et ha'orot veshom'im et ha'kolot. Oh, what about those words? Now Harambam needs to address those. Maybe as you pointed out, the Pasuk did describe in Yitro, as well as in Bayit Hanan, but the first source on our page, Cholam, Ro'im et Kolot, Vetalapidim, Vet Kol HaShofar. What was all those sounds? What was taking place then? Says Harambam, Kishem Ro'im et Ha'orov, Shomim et Kolot, Kelomar, Otam Kolot, Shem Kolot Ubrakim. It was sounds and thunder, Keraam, Vekol Shofar Hazak, and sounds of trumpets, what Harambam is not bothered by, but he's preempting, is you're going to notice that the Pesukim mentioned not only a kol gadol velo yasaf, mentions as well a kol shofar, mentions kolot ubrakim. Says Harambam, indeed, there was a lot of that going on as well. However, the uh, manufactured call of God, that call was experienced and heard once. As is explicit, he says, in the Torah. Of course, this is his reading of the Torah. Uh, 
Asher he'iroti lecha alav, and that's at the beginning of the paragraph, he quoted from the Chachamim. Remember, at the beginning of this paragraph, it says, Hem hivhiru bitchilat midrash hazit, shem lo shama'u kol acher milifanavit ala. They only heard one call from in front of God. How do you square that with the Well, there were a lot of sounds, but there was only one sound with a capital S. There was only true, one true sound. And now he's in turn alluding to another Midrash, that says that, again, he's taking somewhat of a liberty over there, over here, because the Gemara says, I believe it's cited in the footnote over here, um, yeah, um, if, number 15. Now look at the second line in number 15 mm-hmm. and point and, and notice the liberty Harambam is taking in this. Ve'amar Yoshua ben Levi, kol dibur v'dibur she'yatsa mipiach kadosh baruchu ya'asetan nishmatan shal Yisrael. On every dibur v'dibur, every word, every utterance of God, their hearts, their souls left them. And of course, the description of et hiyat ha-metim et har sinai. But listen to the words. Every utterance of God. Now again, Harambam, it's, a, it's not so hard for him to take the liberty. He will tell you they don't mean every utterance. There weren't so many, there weren't any utterances they heard. But it is somewhat ironic that in the context of him making the point that they didn't hear any specific diburim of God, he pauses and says, oh, by the way, when they said that their souls departed after hearing God's utterance, oh, it wasn't an utterance, it was this sound, when the statement is very explicit, Okay, but he reads it as, you know, somewhat of a uh, of poetic flourish. They didn't actually hear many diburim, but that is yase anishmatam. That was the moment where they really had a tremor. That's the moment where they really experienced something grand. And it was by means of hearing that call, as he told us in the first part of this uh, chapter, that's how they understood husegu. Again, they didn't hear... That's how they experienced and in turn uh, laid the foundation intellectually to understand and to perceive and to prove those first two deberot. Veda, he continues and concludes this discussion, Harambam does, Shegam bekol hazeh en dargatam ledargat Moshe Rabbeinu. We mentioned this briefly last week, and uh, as you pointed out then, Abi, uh, Harambam has to, and we in turn understand the necessity of accepting this and realizing this. You can't, even if you make the claim that they had a prophetic experience above and beyond what he's describing, mm-hmm. you can't and wouldn't suggest that's on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. No, no. But a- specifically over here, where they heard a call, and you never have an explicit mention in the Torah of Moshe hearing differently. He is making a little bit of an assumption. He does have the words of Moshe saying that I transmitted them to you, but he points out nonetheless, he says, Moshe, his experience was grander and greater. I will just awaken and hearken your soul, or your, your, your heart, your mind, to this secret and point out to you, what I'm about to tell you is accepted in our nation. It's well known to the scholars. And that is, you imagine right now he's going to give you one of the maybe he's going to lay down foundations instead, I mean, indeed. You should know, every time you find those words in the Torah, 
Umalil Adonai. That's what's well known to the scholars. I mean, it's, you can't read it and not smirk. And they, you know, he's leading you on. You're so excited. Oh, let me tell you what Targum Unkelus is. Everybody knows it. When the Torah has these words, God spoke to Moshe saying, Unkelus explains or translates rather, Umalil. Malil, Milula, Mila means to speak. Okay, so far so good. V'chen, I mean, we don't know exactly what he's affecting. V'yidaber Elohim et kol ha-devarim. So too, at the very beginning of Perek Kaf and Shemot, God spoke all of these words. Tirgem umalel yat kol pitgamaya. God spoke all of these words, all of these statements. Now again, each of those two sentences, both V'yidaber Adonai Moshe Lemor and V'yidaber Elohim et kol ha-devarim, our assumption for good reason is, these are words which are being spoken to Moshe, the Elu. However, that's in contrast, stark contrast to Etivrei Yisrael el Moshe, the words of, of Am Yisrael when they speak to Moshe. Okay, so those first two describe what God was doing vis-a-vis Moshe. When the people turned to Moshe, the pasuk we talked about, Al Yedaber Imanu Elohim, we are nervous. We don't want God, it's in Parashat Yitro, God should not speak to us. That's the translation of Onkelos. Of course, Onkelus being, as he's going to point out, traditionally a student of Rabbi Ezer, Rabbi Yoshua, part of the Chachmeh Masoret, an individual who translates the Torah as a convert, but as a person who enters in and receives a tradition that's quite special and unique. Tirgem, in that context, va'alit malel imana, next words, most critical, min kodam Adonai. The Aramaic of min kodam means from in front of. So instead of the statement being, and we should not speak to God or hear from God, it says we should not speak and hear from in front of God. What's with the in front of God? Says Harambam, without explicitly saying it, he assumes we pick up on this. Well, you might understand what's going on over here. When God speaks to Moshe, so it's direct. When he speaks to the people, it's not direct at all. What they, do, what they experience is the show. It's taking place. The example I gave last time is you're hearing the, the from across the street, you're hearing the noise. That's what it is. Min kodam. There's something taking place in front of us. But there's no words. There's no conversation being imparted into our minds or ears. You see, Unkulus is clarifying for us the principle which we've set forth. By the way, you should know. His statements are tradition. And here's where Haram Bam is really trying to, it seems to me, clinch it. I've set forth for you a lot until now. That's right, yeah, of course. I've set forth for you a lot until now. Uh, you mind be raising your eyebrow. You mind assume I am heretical, off the beaten track, uh, very against tradition. Uh, wait a second, let me tell you something. Not only am I traditional, I am the tradition. It's Onkelos from Biliezer Biyoshua. It's clear why he's doing this here. Asher hem hachmei Yisrael setam. The footnote cites from Talmud Yerushalmi that uh, in a certain circumstance, they, oh, on this one, I think he quotes from Talmud Yerushalmi in source number 23, uh, there's an individual from Rome who uh, made a gezerah about himself. He won't leave his room until he sees Hachmei Yisrael. How do you objectify the scholars, the wise ones of Yisrael? Bili Ezra and Yoshua pass by and everyone says, that's Hachmei Yisrael. So Harambam, when he says, this is Stam, this is Hachmei Yisrael, Bili Ezra and Yoshua, that's that uh, Talmud Yerushalmi. Da zot vezochrehu. 
That which I've told you should know and remember it. He says, I can't, and we can't go beyond our mention, our description of Ma'amad Har Sinai. This is a part of those secrets of the Torah. The true and, uh, uh, nature of what transpired, Nistar Mitanu Meod, it's very much hidden and a secret, uh, a secret from us. It was a once in existence, never before and never after experience. That zot efo makes certain that you know this. Ramban, interestingly, and I skipped all the details on the paper, but it is, in my opinion, worthwhile to go through it. And, and, and realize that he does a lot of legwork that Harambam kind of takes for granted that we did or that we won't do. Yeah. He points out that if you follow Unkelus through in all these circumstances, it does not seem to be consistent. As much as the claim of Harambam is, I'm traditional, I fit into Unkelus, you see over here it's indirect, in the other places it's direct, it's far from simple. It doesn't mean that we can't find the resolution explanation to all of them. He instead, Ramban, at the end of source number three, suggests, what does it mean when Onkelos does say that it was min kodam Hashem? Because after all, for, for Ramban, in the other traditional approach, uh, I would say that's the more traditional approach. They actually heard everything. It means it was difficult for them to hear. It was mitoch ha'esh. It wasn't direct in that respect, but not that they just heard a call. Not that the conversation, the, the details were to Moshe and the rest only then transmitted to them. Well, in short, the conclusion then of the Moreh here in Chelek Bet and Perek Lamid Gimal is uh, exactly where we began it and discussed it last week. He just finishes the conversation. He fills out some of the details. We, in turn, at least in my mind, pointed out not difficulties, but uh, discrepancies of sorts. First and foremost, working backwards, the onkulus, which he takes for granted. Ramban does the uh, specifics, the mechanics on it, and says it's hard to prove that. The reading of the Pesukim, the two readings of them, the Devarim versus the Shemot, not per se a contradiction, uh, could just be a different reminiscence of some sort or a different detail, but far from simple that what's taking place here in Devarim is after that initial call, as opposed to the conclusion of all the Deberot, which they may have in fact heard. Um, the description in turn of Harambam, although fundamental, is far from being simple. Uh, that being the case, I do believe, and this is just where I'd like to take the class now, I do believe there are fundamentals that arise, Harambam said to us, there are fundamentals here. He's describing to us an occurrence, which if anything, for the average person, I imagine, is a little depressing. It's a little, uh, a little anticlimactic. I thought we had an experience where we heard God's voice. I thought we actually heard his utterances. Didn't that happen? So I said, Harambam, no. Is that a depressing uh, uh, realization? Or is there something, ironically, at least in my mind, inspiring or very real about that with regards to the vibrancy of God's word of the Torah. That's what I'd like to, for a few moments, uh, uh, spend some time uh, elaborating. It starts like this. Ramban Nahmani, whom, as we've seen, is far from aligned with Harambam's thought, certainly with regards to Ma'amad Har Sinai, but he, of all people, I thought, in this commentary, his introduction to Shir Hashirim, I think really depicts the point I want to make from our direction. He's talking about the call of Har Sinai, the Kof Vav Lamed of Har Sinai. So that's Harambam, it's the key to Har Sinai. 
For Ramban, he didn't really tell us what that was representative of, per se, at least not in the part we read. Here in his introduction to Shir Hashirim, he writes, The experience, and he goes through in terms of level, the people who understood and perceived Something about the truthful nature of God, His honor, His glory. He doesn't deny, how could he, that this was multivaried. There were different levels. Every person had a different experience. There were, so to speak, not physical, but there were barriers, one in front of the other. Some were able to get around, others weren't. And it's from that true knowledge, that's also very telling. Not per se what you'd expect from Ramban Nachmane. You know, there is, and it's a longer, important conversation maybe to have on another occasion, and that is, you know, when it comes to Anochi Adonai Elohecha Rambam's words in his in very beginning of his, of his Mishneh Torah, as well as in his Sefer Mitzvot, is that that's a mitzvah of Yidi'at Hashem. Knowledge, not to say per se that you will have full knowledge of God, and but that's what you're seeking. Of course, impossible, but that's what you're seeking. Others, traditionally, certainly contemporary, will say, no, that's a reference to emunah, and oftentimes what they refer to in the word emunah is the, quite the opposite. What you don't know is about what that acceptance is. Ramban Nachmani, interestingly, over here, describes Har Sinai as being the experience which builds and fo- fashions the bedrock of our relationship, and it is Yediyah, it is prophetic, it is knowledge. Now, that's significant in and of itself. Uh, it kind of runs counter to, as I understand it and see it, the contemporary vision of what the greatest relationship of, with God could be. And here's, what, here's the point I want to focus on. He's talking about some sort of internal. He's speaking mystically, no doubt, but he's talking about this coal. That coal was in turn, not to be taken literally in the physical sense or anything like that. He says it was broken into 70 branches, and we have in turn 70 faces to the Torah. But what he means, what Ramban describes over here is but more than just details, I think it's the potential for all future interpretation. Do you follow? That's what he's describing. He says there are 70 interpretations. 70 truthful, in the words, the number 70 doesn't mean in the literal sense, it means in a figurative sense. It's a, it's a number we oftentimes use in that, in that way. But what he's describing then is, Ma'amad Sinai. Let, let me put it in these words, with all of its mystique, with all the vagueness of that call. And that's why I bring us back to Rambam, even though Rambam doesn't see it the same way. But think about it for a moment, the experience of something grander and greater than words. Whereas the initial reaction to Harambam's words was, oh my goodness, what a letdown, we didn't even hear the words. 
Alternatively, maybe without the words, we were given keys, we were given the raw foundations, and in turn, until today, the opportunity, the possibility to interpret it. We talked earlier in the classes about Harambam in the context of Ayn Tahat Ayn, his understanding of Torah Peh, of the interpretive responsibility of Hakamim Shebechol Dor Vador. What I'm suggesting now is, ironically, because we weren't prepared, and yes, I'm a little bit getting into God's plans, so discard that part, but it's almost as if I would suggest Har Sinai was an experience which was appropriately at a time before, so to speak, we were ready to fully understand. Had we, quote, fully understood, you'd close off the opportunity for expressions of truthful interpretations in generations to come because there would just be one interpretation. Go ahead. So it's just these people who understood. These people understood, and even then there was a call which had many potentials. In other words, what I'm saying is even their understanding, Ramban seems to be telling us, and even Harambam, when he does say that Moshe's understanding was greater than all the other, and he then did interpret it and break it down for them. Ultimately speaking, the fact that the experience was so mystical, the fact that the experience was not easily listenable for everyone and understandable in a prophetic sense, that is that call. That call is the keys to, in my mind, the vibrancy of Torah, the opportunity for every generation to interpret it appropriately in terms of tapping into a truth, but many truths which were given then. It's a Gemara Masechet Shabbat which brings us forward in this thought, uh, on this thought, Gemara, this is the Gemara Pevav Pezayim Pechet, where they talk about Har Sinai, we just quoted one in Harambam, they leave their souls departing them. Here it says, Amar Omer more importantly, Every utterance, okay, he doesn't talk about kol, but as we said, that's what the Gemara does, could and was broken into 70 different understandings, interpretations, messages. Again, the statement more than anything is, there are, I'm getting right there in a moment. The same way that a hammer, a sledgehammer can in some way crack and, uh, and, and turn a stone, a rock, into many little pieces, so too every statement of God, every utterance, we might call it the call. Again, the call, ironically, in being removed from anything coherent in the real sense, in, ter- in the human sense, ironically, opens the opportunity for something even greater, something grander, something where we do express truth. It's, it's reminiscent, but it's not the same. It's what I mentioned, I think, in this class a week or two ago, where Harambam elsewhere in the Moreh talks about how prayer, in its ideal sense, is through silence. The The moment we open our mouths, we confine it. We turn it into just this. We limit it. As a result, the sound... 
uh, lays potential, lays infinite potential. It uh, gives for us throughout the time. That's what Ramban said, all the prophets, all the wise people. Now there are many Midrashim. Everything you and I will talk about today was said at Har Sinai. What sort of statement is that? Really? They said, Harari will say, or alternatively, was there potential that was laid forth? That's the description. That's a description of truth. The Gemara Masechet Eruvin in this context I think is understood as well. That's the Gemara Amar Abad Afyod Gimal, Amar Biaba, Amar Bishemuel, Shaloshanim Nechleku Bechamayu Betilel. For three initial years, Bechamayu Betilel disagreed with one another. Halalo Omrim Halacha Kamotenu, Halalo Omrim Halacha Kamotenu. Each of the sides claimed and declared the Halacha was in accordance with their opinion. Yasi Abad Kol Ve'amra, Heavenly Voice came out and said, Elo Ve'elo Devrelim Hayim. However, of course, that sounds like a self-contradictory statement. If these and these are both the words of God, meaning they're both truthful, how can halachag be in, only in accordance with one? Right. So the, so the suggestion, the direction is in terms of practice, we need to choose one. That's halakha, indeed, which gives you a certain perspective in terms of halakha. It means halakha is one of several truths, but it's the one that we've chosen for many reasons as the dominant one. Ritva, in that context, in the Gemara, ironically, or maybe not so ironically, he cites from Rabbanes Sarfat, he cites from the, the rabbis of, of uh, France. How's it possible that true can be expressed in contradictory terms and concepts? Asur and Mutar are both true. Interestingly, it's 49 plus 49, which will bring us to a lot more than 70. But regardless, the concept is the same. There were 49 angles for every matter to say it's mutar, and 49 angles for every matter to say it's asur. He turns to God and says, wait a second, it's a little confusing. I might pause for a moment again and say, hearing a sound at Har Sinai was quite confusing. Even hearing the broken statements, broken down statements by Moshe was quite confusing. Says the Midrash, God says to Moshe, as it were, this will be a matter handed over to the scholars, to the leadership, to the nation of Israel. And every generation, and in turn, the determination will be based on their word, their practice, their understanding. Again, tapping back into Har Sinai. And, I was, I, and, and it's so much in my mind, whether mindfully uh, this was the direction Harambam wanted us going in as a result of this discussion, whether this was part of his secret intent in telling us what transpired, that we didn't actually hear the details or not, I think it is something that emerges. Harambam's discussion, his description for us, what emerges from it then is that we had something grander than words. We had something greater than specifics. We had the keys. We had the blueprint. We had the opportunity to then interpret and tap into a truth which was never explicitly stated so that so to speak, we would be able to discover many truths in the future with regards to it. It is, in conclusion, 
may be a concept that Rashi, in a famous statement, quoting from the Midrash, alludes to as well. The Pasuk says, as Harambam cited it, at the beginning of Perekaf in Shemot, before describing the Ten Commandments, Aseret HaDiberot, Vaydeber Elohim et kol hadevarim ha'elelemor. Now, taken on its own, this Pasuk is not difficult. Taken on its own, it means everything that's to come, God spoke at, at that time. But instead, reading it chronologically, it goes, God spoke everything. Says Rashid, that's right. He spoke everything at once. The call with a kaf, not with a kof over here, right? What does it mean he spoke everything at once? That's right. He said the Ten Commandments in one moment, in one split second. Oh, so what about Anochi and Lo Yehiyeh? Well, after stating it all in one second, he then broke it down. That's what the Midrash says. What's the message of that Midrash? Well, I'll suggest the following. It's again the same point. It, it initially was stated all at once, so to speak, in an incoherent way, because it laid absolute potential. And then a broken down, systematic, this worldly expression where we'll interpret it and understand it in such a fashion and in another fashion. But there was an initial giving over of truths, giving over of my words, of my expression to reality. Maharal, in his commentary, Gur Aryeh to the Torah, uh, suggests something along these lines. He says, what's the idea? What's the symbolism of it all being said at once? His, his description specifically is, that's the way he often talks and, and describes things. He says, uh, in the spiritual realm, in the upper realm, there are no contradictions. There's a singularity. This is a rough cook type of thought later on. But the idea being, and I, we can almost portray it, when you have thoughts, so, and you haven't expressed them in words, you haven't performed them in deeds, thoughts are not per se contradictory. I have different thoughts. I haven't really brought them to fruition. I have thousands, if not millions or billions or infinite amount of thoughts and expressions and understandings of potential over here. That's not contradictory. It's only when I transmit it into motion. It's only when I bring it into this world that I now experience it and see it as con conflicting one with the other. So his interpretation in turn is that we're talking about the words of God, what he calls Torah. He says we're dealing with Torah. If Torah is the expression of God, if the Torah is in turn in some supernatural realm, possibly in some respect singular without any contradictions. Again, the way we're expressing it is in terms of the potential there is in Asur and Mutar, which are both true. Well, that's the innate initially stated. It's okay. only then broken down. Go ahead. But uh, number seven, is he working backwards and saying, I have this system that we're doing, Asur and Mutar, and he has to work it back all the way to I believe so. I believe so. I believe, I believe all of them are working backward in this respect. I, I, I think the Hachamim are doing so. They're, they're looking at a system which has developed, which uh, has expression of different interpretations, which each has a certain validity in the scheme of things, and trying to understand how can this work. I don't think per se they have anything else in terms of the supernatural you know, attainment and achievement understanding of the reality. Uh, but that in turn is, is, as I understand this, so again, just to summarize, it means that the, the more over here in, in this specific Perik brings forth for us a unique perspective with regards to Ma'amad Har Sinai. Said in a word or a sentence, it's a description of a sound. It's a, a sound which is prophetically experienced by the people. Moshe, albeit different as well, has words 
which he in turn transmits to the people, but even Moshe, even though he doesn't say it explicitly, Moshe as well has an experience which is, as we have it traditionally, an expression of an opportunity to tap into infinite potential. It's the word of God after all. It's not going to be confined to specific one-dimensional interpretations and expressions. That is what Harambam opens our eyes to, opens our, our minds to with regards to this description. There weren't words. I'll go further, there couldn't be words. I'll go further, he couldn't possibly want there to be words because then you would close off the Shiv'im Panim La Torah because then we'd be limited in our reflection in, our, this, in this generation of irrelevancy to the Torah. It means every one of those mahlokot which follow, every one of the expressions of, well, this is what God meant. No, I think that's what he meant. And each of us have a certain validity, but we've chosen to follow one, but in several hundred years, we've veered off to in another direction. Are we contradicting a truth? Or are we alternatively tapping back into that call of Har Sinai, which set forth for us that system, the concept then of Elu Elu Divre Elohim Hayim, the concept in turn of it all being one utterance of Rashi in his commentary to the Torah, the concept of the Shiv'in Panim, of that call which Ramban talks about, I think are all speaking to the same point, which I think whether advertently or not, Harambam over here in this Perek sets forth and begins us thinking along those lines by saying, you should know, this system which I've told you about, he says in the Moreh, which I've expressed to you in very veiled ways as well. Remember, that was quite the secret. He needed to tell it to us, panim el panim, pe el pe, if we wanted to understand what he truly meant, and we discussed that at the time. But this idea of a development of Torah Shabal Peh, of rabbinic interpretation, of generational relevancy within the Torah, began at a time during which, perforce, by definition, God's prophetic experience was transmitted to us not through words which are limiting, which are confined to specific um, uh, dimensions and interpretations, but rather just a kol, an enigmatic, mysterious kof vav lamed, a sound of God which will and can be expressed and interpreted throughout generations in different ways. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.